You are listening to the Content Academy podcast where we teach online businesses how to create raving fans with their content. So let's get to it. Yes, hello, you're very welcome to the Content Academy podcast. I am, of course, Phil McGrath, joined by Paul Caffrey. Paul, how are we? I'm fantastic, mate. I'm fantastic. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Really looking forward to this show with Brandon Lewin today. Uh, He is a digital marketing strategist and a man with a great backstory as well as we'll hear on the show but he certainly knows his stuff when it comes to creating content paul i give him that much yeah yeah he does i mean look the amount of value he drops here is just exceptional um i was taking notes as we were going through this and i actually got into four or five pages of handwritten notes and generally i tend to not write anything down but um he just got me thinking so much during the interview that i couldn't resist um, also very entertaining uh, and a man who brings more cowbell to the world so um, yeah <laughs> loads yeah, in and I mean I love I, I loved it to talk about uh, oh god where do I start content upgrades about his SEO tactics his whole philosophy in terms of writing blog posts and high um high competition keywords to key, uh, blog post lengths relevance of backlinks as well backlinks discuss, in it reaching out to forget about yeah reaching out to other people in the market is promotional strategy and uh, we even spoke about a great resource that he himself is coming up with of course um resourceful which uh, i definitely think people should have a little look at and barnaby the bear stole the show but you won't find out just yet about barnaby but let's hand it over to brandon and get into all that good stuff paul Yes, so as I said, we have Brandon Lewin on the line. Brandon, how are you? (laughs) I'm great, guys. How are you guys doing? Oh, fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's a a beautiful day here. Uh, I'm I'm in Austin, Texas, and um, it's it's beautiful out here. I moved here actually from Chicago, so I avoided the the winter. Oh, you got away from the winter and the snow and all that? Yes. Yes. Excellent. It's it's very strategic, so... Uh, Smart move. <laughs> yes, it's been it's been awesome. Wearing I've basically been wearing shorts the whole winter, so rubbing it in my friends' faces. It's been fun. Oh yeah, I'm no, a I bit jealous fun. myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um. So yeah, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, can't complain. Can't complain. Um, delighted to have you on the show. So thank you very much for taking the time out to come on. I suppose just for our audience, uh, Brandon, who may not be familiar with you and your work, you might just give them a bit of background about yourself and I suppose what you're at at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you guys for having me. Super excited to be here. I love talking about marketing and content. And, and that's really what I do from um, a background perspective. I am an entrepreneur and a mar- marketer. I've started three businesses in my life, going on four right now. And it's been a lot of fun, a lot of ups and downs. I got a lot of bumps and bruises, but you know, I got a strong jaw, so I always get knocked down, but come right back up. So <laughs> It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I, I, I hate working for other people, and I tried doing that actually in between some of my stints of, as an entrepreneur, and um, it just didn't work out. I just, uh, you know, I'm always on my own path and have my own philosophies on things, and just it's really hard to align with other people on that. So, um, but my, you know, I started off like a lot of young entrepreneurs. I started off at a young age shoveling snow in the winter, winter colds of Chicago, making uh, about a hundred pops, hundred dollars a, a pop, uh, or, or a week, I should say, not a pop, but a, a week, um, doing that with a friend of mine. And we were like nine, 10 years old, and it was a lot of money for us back then. And needless to say, I, I got to spend some of that on some cool toys, like wrestling figures and stuff like that. But um, that was my first taste, and my dad's an entrepreneur himself, so 
I just grew up in that that mindset, and he always taught me if I wasn't in school or playing sports, I was working. So fast forward through that, I worked my entire career, uh, my my entire school career in high school, even through college. And college, I kind of hustled my way through that, and but I, I actually started my first business, online business in college back in 2003. It was an online ticket brokerage, and it was right right around when StubHub was coming up, and uh, we started competing against them. But that was a great experience, but um, I wasn't making the money I thought I was going to make. Went into it very ambitious and uh, wasn't you know struggling struggling to make a profit. So I kind of gave that up, and then fast forward, just started a couple other marketing agencies later on as as I got some other experience underneath my belt and um, did really well with a social media agency that I had. And uh, we did we did a lot of different things, but it was back in when social media was coming up in 2008, 2009. And we just took the market by storm in the small business sector. And we just brought processes to them. And that was a fantastic experience. And then I went to work with some agencies, like I said, I went on a, like a learning hiatus, as I call it, and I got to learn and, and actually got to train some Fortune 500 companies. So I got to work with bigger companies on their digital marketing and digital intelligence. And that was like a, I call that like my PhD in marketing, and it was phenomenal. And then uh, since then, I went off back on my own, and I've been back on my own for a year and a half, working again with entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, small businesses, and helping them grow their business. I started a product called resourceful, which is going to take the market by storm. And we'll talk more about that, but that's, that's a little bit of my, my background and probably a little bit longer than you guys wanted, but, uh, that's where I am. So no, come here. That's, that's all good. You know, um, and look, I've been looking forward to, to this interview for a couple of weeks now, especially for a man on, on Instagram who, um, you know, claims he brings more cowbell to life. So always like that. Um, with the, I suppose with your, I suppose there's a whole lot of different areas that we're going to look to jump into, but I suppose if we just focus on blogging, obviously you're very active, you've got provocative, you know, titles with your blogs, um, but however, when you get into them, they're very detailed and there's a lot of great information in there. You know, what's your process for, for writing a blog and creating a blog post? So I have a couple different processes. So I call my kind of method the Da Vinci, Da Vinci Murphy method because it takes the <laughs> scientific approach to it. Um, but it also takes the artistic approach. So I bring a little Eddie Murphy and a little Leonardo da Vinci and I mix it together. Um, Excellent. Yeah. So, you know, what I've done, I've done a lot of research and I've done a lot of experimenting. And what I've found is that to really get, really capture people's attention, one, you have to, you have to be provocative. You have to be entertaining. But on top of it, you have to bring a competitive edge like anything else in business. From a blogging standpoint, you got to bring something that's a little extra. So one that can always be your personality and what you love and things that you're very passionate about. I'm I happen to like comedy quite a bit, so I like to bring some humor in there. And I'm I'm a little off colored with that stuff. I get from my wife. She's always like, I don't know how you come up with these things. And then she tells me I need to watch what I say too a lot. So I try to use that towards my advantage to grab people's attention. But you know, from a, a perspective of actually being um, uh, higher up in rankings from an SEO perspective with blogging, what I found is that the longer you write a post, anything that's over 3,500 words, only 6% of blocker, bloggers actually create posts that are longer than 3,500 words. So, um, but there's a, you know, can I swear on the podcast? Yeah, yeah work away. Knock yourself out. Right. There's a shit ton of bloggers out there, right? And a ton of people, and they're blogging a lot. 
but what they're doing is they're keeping it about a, a thousand words or less. And that isn't always a good thing. Like it's, it's always about bringing value to your audience, of course, right? That's always the, the, the focus of everything. And if you can do that in 250 words, great. But if you can expand on that, that's better. Also, Google notices this stuff, right? Google says, all right, if, we, if, if, if I see a topic and it's longer in words, but it's more focused on one specific topic, it's going to shoot that up in the rankings. Um, of course, there's other uh, areas that really help yeah. bring that rankings up, but that's a big part of it. So I try to bring that the two sides. I try to captivate, captivate people with, with the attention, the humor, and the entertainment factor, but then I also try to be the, bring the science and the Google and the SEO into it. So I'm up in the rankings and it's been working really well. I got this one blog post. I also focus on certain audiences too. Notice I have a blog post up on for college students right now. I had one just focused on Instagram for real estate owners. And that one actually is doing really, really, really well in the, um, in the rankings. Within like a week, I got put up on the first page of Google for how to, how to, do, how to use Instagram for real estate. So Excellent. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's working and it works well. So that's it's uh, kind of my philosophy and, and process behind developing that stuff. Well, I suppose just to jump into that process a little deeper, I know as you said, there's a couple of other factors and obviously we know there's certain things that you'll need to get right in terms of your content to give it the best chance of being ranked. But do you have a format then, I suppose, when it comes to, say, creating your blog post to make sure that it's not keyword stuffed, but it is keyword heavy? And where you put those keywords and how you how you turn um, tend to map it out. Yeah, absolutely. So I always start with a topic, and um, what I found is I go a couple different ways. One route I'll, I'll give you um, is that I just come up with a, an idea. I usually come up with these things in random moments. I might be taking a shower or whatever, and I write them down. When I go to actually create them, I do keyword research first and foremost because. I jump into you know jump into keyword planner and I see what keywords are ranked around that topic. Then I go into uh, Google and actually start searching for around that topic, see what else is being written about it. Then I do a little bit of uh, research on that, seeing who actually has wrote that stuff, um, what what they actually have to say about it, if there's any value in it, if I can improve upon it. And that's a big one too because there's so much content that's already developed is you can actually just go ahead and use stuff that's already created and just add to it. And that within itself will bring so much more value. And on top of it, you can use kind of like a hack philosophy where you can reach out to the people that link to it and that helps to drive up the traffic. But um, to go back to the process, we I, I look at that part of it, I do some research, and then um, I start to outline what I'm gonna talk about. I start taking notes, I start outlining it. And then from the outline perspective, I usually have about three, four, maybe like up to six different subtopics within it, subheaders. And then I start to develop off those subheaders. I do a ton of research when I look into each one of those. So I will read other blog posts around certain topics. I will link to them as well in the blog post because the more links you can actually have in a blog post, that's really good. Um, and again, great for SEO. And so then I do it from that perspective. I write it up. I go back. I edit it. Uh, that's where the magic comes into is the <laughs> editing process. And um, that's when I actually start plugging in the SEO, the, the keywords in there quite a bit. I don't really think I have that in mind, of course, when I'm writing it, I know what the keyword is, but I don't focus in on that when I'm actually creating it because I that can really tie you down. It's easier to yeah. plug that in as you're going. So um, that's what I do. I go back and I plug it in and then I go ahead and I put it on my website. Now, being that my website is 
on WordPress, I use Yoast. So Yoast is a phenomenal tool that allows you to it, it basically analyzes the post for you. So if I'm missing certain things like adding keywords into like the secondary header or not having or it's not dense enough, then I will go ahead and make additions from there and go and then basically once everything is green lighted on there, then I'm, I'm good to go. Another thing that I do too is from a headline perspective, I don't actually create the headline till the end of the post. And then mm. I start to actually, that's a long process too, because I started using CoSchedule's uh, headline analyzer tool and it's a phenomenal tool. It's great your, your headline into how well it has all these words in it and how captivating it could be and how, how well it can be used for like viral postings and stuff like that. So they grade it on a scale of one, uh, zero to 100. And so usually I'll plug it in there and then I get, I get caught up in that. That could take like a couple hours to actually find a really, really good headline. But then once I do, once I'm comfortable with it around 80, uh, 80 score or higher, then I go ahead and that's the final touches and then I go ahead and plug it in. Um, and then I post it and then, then we're off, off to the races. Well, you do a Excellent. whole lot then. Suppose, you know, you just type yeah. it up and throw it out there. Yeah, yeah, I can, uh, <laughs> I can understand <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just to just to go back on on that, and I I love I love your process, and I love the fact that it makes me feel normal because I have a process that uh, is something similar, and I I'm very particular about my processes and how I do things, and that's the way I do them. Um, so I like the fact that you have yours. It makes me feel a bit normal, as I said. But I mean, in terms of if we take it back a couple of steps, and you're looking at you do some keyword research, what are the key considerations that you have when you're searching for keywords? What are the kind of criteria they have to meet for you in order you to start plugging them in well um the, i i just think about the topic and then i start plugging in keywords based on what i think the the audience will uh, would use to find something along those lines and so i start plugging into google keyword finder and i find out you know what are some popular terms i usually you know it's hard for me i you know everyone says don't go with a high competitive, hot like uh, high average amounts of searches per month and the, the high competition. I like that competition. I like going after those high ones. I mean, people are already going after it. So, and, and typically, keyword planner too isn't isn't one hundred percent accurate because they're basing that off of pay per click advertisements versus uh, organic rankings. Yeah. So. Um, you know, another tool that I use quite a bit as well just to see, to verify things is Buzz, uh, BuzzSumo. And um, I, I plug stuff into BuzzSumo to see how things, you know, I find that keyword basically in, in the keyword planner. I get set on it. I put it into BuzzSumo to see what, if that topic actually has a lot of things that are, a lot of topics, a lot of other blog posts that are pulled up and higher. And they have a lot of links going out. Because the key to all this is like, it's great to build it up. But to actually like to get the links for other people, you know, I can BuzzSumo allows you to see everybody who's linked out to it, who shared. You can go out there and you just start sending emails and tweeting at these people and seeing if they'll actually link to your post as long as you create something really great. And I found that it works well when you do that. It's a numbers game. Don't get me wrong, because, you know, there's so many people out there. You got to like essentially send out like 100 emails to people and it takes some time. But, you know, you put in that hard work and good things come back from it. So um, I use BuzzSumo and the pay-per-click and, and the keyword planner for the, the keyword process. And it's really just finding what the keywords I'm comfortable that fit with the topic. And uh, as long as they're ranking high in, in the competitive keywords and getting a good average search volume, you know, typically around like 700 
720 average or higher, then I'll go with those keywords and, yeah. uh, and, and that there, and then that's how I found the keywords. So. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty similar. I mean, we have a similar process. So for us, it is, I generally tend to go after the medium or the low ranked competition keywords. So I suppose maybe go back to have a look at the high rank and see how that goes. But again, then yeah, and going for the say 720 or higher. Um, yeah. I suppose with that in mind, then, I mean, Obviously, you've got one blog post here, which uh, I was looking at a couple of weeks ago, which was 13 surefire blog SEO tips that will make you more popular than Kim K. Um, <laughs> was she incorporated into that for a comedic purposes or for SEO purposes? Yeah, man, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just like really attracted to her or what, but like every time I have like a, <laughs> like my butt of my jokes, I always come back to her for some reason. I don't know what it is, but like this time period of my life right now, it's just like everything comes back to her. But you know she's she's always in the news. She it's broke six, the six degrees of separation, huh? Exactly. <laughs> Move over, Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Yep. Um, so she, you know, she um, she she broke the internet once, and then she continues to bring up con uh, controversy. So that for that topic, it just it felt right to include her. And plus, a lot of people can relate to it, whether they like it or not. And that's and that's really what it is. It's kind of like the wow factor. I want to grab people's attention. Um, I don't want to be normal. I don't want people to look at me like I'm a normal human being. I want to be different. I want to be weird. Um, I'm comfortable with that. I think that's what gets attention. So that's kind of why I went with her. And cool. There you yeah. go. I suppose best best first two words to a post. I challenge anyone to beat a sex tape. You know, there you are. Um, cool. Okay. So how often would you write them? Would you kind of be like, right, I'm going to do, I'm going to just set this this time of the week is for writing or do you just write when the inspiration is there and the research is done? So I, I used to write when the inspiration was there and I've gotten into this habit now for the last probably like, I don't know, maybe a year where I am just, I write every day, every day. So first of all, I just was blessed to have another daughter. We have three kids now. And so I get the morning shift with my my daughter, uh, when she wakes up for the feedings and everything. And so I get up at like between four or four thirty, and I will be feeding her. And although my brain is half awake, I tend to write a lot during that period of time. I think I'm just kind of calm. Um, I just, my mind is on certain things. I typically like to watch something funny or listen to something funny before I go to bed. So when I wake up, I'm in a good mood. And although I'm like half awake, I just start writing, man, and I'll do that. And I do that for about an hour and a half to two hours. Um, I would actually like to do that longer, but like right now my schedule is kind of all over the place. So I at least do that every day. Uh, that's including the weekends too, because my daughter doesn't take any time off. Yeah, um, kids, kids don't seem to understand Monday <laughs> to Friday very well. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't. How very inconsiderate of them. <laughs> they are, man, these damn kids. Um, no, tell me about it. So, so yeah, so that's, that's the, that. And then, you know, some days I will write all day if I can. Um, I, I like to, what I like to do too, sometimes I force myself to write because as you guys probably know, it's not always there, but I found that like, if you just can just focus, um, I forgot the, the famous copywriter, his name, but he was back in like the early forties. Um, he used to just sit down and he would focus for 30 minutes and just write. Then he would take a break for like 10, 15 minutes, and then he would go back and write for another 30 minutes. And it would just like these little spurts. 
of writing. And so I've tried to take on that kind of uh, process and getting things down and, and just doing it, forcing yourself to do it. Because even if it's not really that great, you can always come back again. Like you guys know, that the, the magic's in the editing. So yeah, you can that's, just come back. That's, that's where editing comes in. Exactly. It's fantastic. Man. And I, I really like that. And it's it's something that, that I've done time and time again. It's advice I, I, I've given, given to people is just sit down and write. Keep writing. I don't care what you write. Just write. Eventually, yep. and I, there has to be signs behind this somewhere that it may be eventually one of these days I'll look up. But as far as I'm concerned is that when you force yourself to sit and write on, the, on a topic, whether it's complete dribble or not, eventually it's kind of like your brain kicks in and goes, oh, shit, this guy's serious. He actually wants to write something. Okay, we better kind of jump in here and at least make it try and look good. You know, yep. we don't want to look like an idiot here. And that's the way I look at it. And eventually your brain goes, hang on, this guy's serious. Right, come on, let's go. We don't want him to look like a complete tool. And it kicks in and starts to create something that eventually you can mold and edit into to Jeez, what, what the um, public eventually see. I'm just yeah. thinking, I'm picturing Homer Simpson here as you say that. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> he, he's, oh, we're not going to eat until he writes. Okay, go, go. But yeah, it's, um, and somehow it works. I don't know. There, there's, there must be science somewhere. Um, there's always science. There's a science to everything. There is science to everything. And, you know, it, it really is, like you said, it's just like you, it's practice though too. Like even if like I write a ton of stuff that I never even use or publish, it's like it just sits there. But it's practice, you know, like if you want to be good at something, even Michael Jordan practiced, you know, a thousand shots a day um, when he was at the prime of his, you know, his career. So it's like you, the best always want to be better. And I think if you want to be good at this, you have to constantly practice at it. Yeah, um, every day is a school day. Exactly, yeah. man. Exactly. No, I mean, I mean that makes perfect sense. And then there's there's a technology blog that I contribute to. Um, and I was just chatting to the person who was looking after it at marketing ground. It's like, oh, we need to do an article on this and the topic, which was I suppose exchange. No need to get into the topic so much. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I will have I've got half of an article sitting around that could possibly be used for. And two or two just looked at me like, what? And I was like. Yeah, yeah. I remember six months ago, I didn't really think much of it, but you just kind of have it there to pull out. And that's that, you know, that is, I suppose, that kind of tendency to just write, write, write. Um, it does pay dividends in the end. Um, here's a question for you. Yeah. Could you tell me a little bit about Barnaby the Bear, please? <laughs> so, uh, again, Barnaby is just one of those things I just want to grab people's attention. It's like I've, I've always been that type of dude to just do random things and test things out and so barnaby is you know you know uh, what i don't think we should even tell people what barnaby is i reckon they should try and check find barnaby and if you, if you can find barnaby you can tweet us at underscore content academy and let us know what you think of barnaby just for sheer intrigue i want to see if people will find barnaby awesome awesome i love that, that <laughs> but i like really the concept cool. behind it though uh, Brandon. it's very good it, yes. um if i just move it on a bit obviously uh we've gone gone through your writing process there's one thing i really like and it clearly shows to me that you have a great understanding of how busy your audience is, okay? And one of, one of your blog posts here is how to come up with blog topics when you don't know where to start. And it's not necessarily the the uh, the article that intrigues me. It's that you've got a big blue banner in the middle that says, do you want the abbreviated version of this post? <laughs> Download the checklist of this exact process right now. So in other words, you know what? If you don't want to read it, but you still want the process, here it is. Go and get it. But you understand yep. that they may not have the time to read a post, which, as you kind of said, could be fairly heavy on the word count. You're talking maybe three and a half to four thousand words. So um, I really, really like that. It's something I think that uh, a lot of people could put into practice. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, you know, it's considered the term of uh, content upgrade is really what it comes down to. It's like, uh, you know, what I've realized is one thing is like, you know, social media getting eyeballs on your stuff is great. 
But if you're building a business off of this, you need to get people to opt into your email. Email is the most powerful thing. And so uh, what better way than to give someone something, uh, an upgrade, so they can take that and they can just get it in an abbreviated version. And, and yes, it is also in consideration of my audience. Like I spend a lot of time talking to my audience and getting feedback from people on my email list. And um, you know, it's funny, I used to create emails that are a little bit shorter. I used to create videos that are a little bit shorter and people loved it. But um, what I found that it wasn't great, although my audience loved it, it wasn't great for attracting new people. So I had to kind of create both. Mm. And, um, and I do that. It's, you know, it's not, not easy work. It's like you're creating multiple pieces of content for different, different types of people, but it, it's really worth it in the long run. And, um, and something like that, though, the 13, that blog, the blog post there, um, that one was, it was pretty easy to do actually. And I, I highly suggest for people to do it because those content upgrades actually show that they get a ton more opt-ins than anything else because people want that stuff and they yeah, want something I mean, else. It's, it's something I, I, I recently read a piece about, uh, was that Neil Patel from Crickspout wrote a piece on it, uh, not too long ago about content upgrades. It was very, very interesting. In fact, I'll link to that article in the show notes as well for people who want to have a look into it. But, uh, I really like the concept, um, Moving on from that, I suppose, we've kind of gone through your writing process, uh, Barnaby the Bear, um, your content <laughs> upgrades. What does your promotion strategy look like? Because this is the big thing for us that uh, time and time again, and people probably who've listened to the show now are probably sick of me saying it, but everyone hits publish, then the promotion falls away. That's yeah. the hard part. So, I mean, in terms of your marketing strategy behind your content and getting you know eyes on the prize, as it were, what does that look like for you typically? Well, uh, that's a big thing why I create these epic blog posts because those are the pieces I can go on and just market the shit out of. And, um, you know, it, it's one thing to create the, the posts and create the content, but it's another thing to actually get eyeballs on there. So from a promotion standpoint, um, when I create these longer, more epic posts, I typically will reach out to people from a link building standpoint. And like I mentioned, it's just the link reach out, finding the people that are already linking to similar articles and getting those people to link up with them because – what is found is that when you actually have when something's ranked on the first page of a very popular keyword, it's typically got around eleven to thirteen, if not more, links linking into it. So the more you can get up there, the higher and faster you can get up on the first page. So that's a big part of it. Um, social media obviously is a big one as well. Um, I usually use tools to reschedule things that go out multiple times. With using co-schedule, as I just said earlier, you use that as well. Yeah, co-schedule. I use, um, because of the, the WordPress website, it's a phenomenal tool. Love those people over there. Um, and that's a, a fantastic tool to use. And then, um, you know, being that uh, I started selling products and I have resourceful, I'm, you know, driving people back to the website as well. So I use, I do paid search and that's something that I've done a lot of in the past and doing a lot of now is, um, doing things like using Facebook advertisements, Twitter, and, and not just like, not just pushing people to buy a product, but pushing people to check out the website, to check out content, and then retargeting them. That's a big one. Um, that's how I promote it. And, and, and sometimes it's just as simple as a boost on Facebook. You know, I found I did this one post uh, about a year ago on healthcare, how you can grow your healthcare business. And it was actually just a story I had when I had a talk with a, a woman who was in the business and that she didn't know how to get it up and running, I promoted it for like five bucks. And I think my traffic uh, skyrocketed to like about a, a thousand unique visitors 
by just promoting it on uh, Facebook. And it was just like, all, all I had to do is pay five bucks. And that's the beauty if you use some of this stuff and you target it the right way um, that you can really drive a lot of traffic there. But, you know, that's, that's again, short term stuff. So you got to you got to be strategic about it. It's, it's kind of both sides. It's the co consistent thing with social media. It's getting if you want some, you know, quick fix, short term stuff, you go with the paid search and then you also are paid uh, paid traffic. And then if you want that long term high ranking boost, then you got to build something that is worth linking to and then going out there and, and reaching out to to those people to get links back to the website. Well, there cool. you go. Uh, you're talking about just reaching out, email, tweet, whatever way you can just to get in touch with the guys. And are you asking for them to put links in specific posts that they have on their sites back to yours or just a link anywhere? Uh, a link back to that post. So I will find people who are already linking to posts that are similar to the one that I created. So if it's like uh, how yeah. to create a blog post um, when you don't know where to start, gotcha. I, find, I use BuzzSumo for that stuff. And it's it's amazing tool to use and um, it just gives you the people who have tweeted it out, it gives them the rankings of how popular they are, how, how often they retweet, then also people who are linking back to it. And that that takes a little bit of time. You can either do it yourself as far as doing the research or you can just pay a virtual assistant to do it, which is you know fairly easy if you just create the process. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys know Brian Dean at Backlinko. Um, have you ever heard of him? But he I'm, actually, I'm not familiar, no. Uh, yeah, check him out. He is awesome. He is like the king of linking and stuff like that, hence the website Backlinko. But he has this awesome um, blog post. It's called the Skyscraper uh, Effect. I think it's called their Skyscraper, or Skyscraper Method or something along those lines. And it talks all about this process. And I originally read it you know, uh, months ago. And then I started implementing it, and it's been phenomenal. So it really works. So definitely ch check that out if you guys can. Yeah, I have, I have a site here. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, it's backlinko.com for anyone who wants to check it out without having to hit the show notes, but we'll make sure it's in there. Oh, man, there's so much in here. Where do we go next, Paul? <laughs> um, well, I suppose one question is, who do you think is smashing it apart uh, from Brian with online content they're producing? Um, so producing online content, I, I love, um, I love, uh, Brian Harris. He's uh, got a website called videofruit.com. He creates, he basically just tests out a bunch of stuff and he, um, puts it out there and, uh, and from a marketing perspective and it's, it's great. He is like, he's the epitome of the guy who just does really he just tests everything out and then he just gives back and just tells people how to do it and he does you know he does sell products and stuff like that but he does a phenomenal job of producing really quality content and the thing i like about him too is that i'm on his email list uh, my big thing with like internet marketers nowadays is they all they want to do is sell the shit out of you right like i am on some oh, people's yeah. email list that i will not name but i have unsubscribed to a lot of them because i can't even determine the difference between the email they're actually trying to provide content or provide value in and the one that you're trying, trying to sell, to sell them. Yeah, yeah i've had that same experience um we actually spoke about something re spoke about that recently and i can't even remember which guest it was now but we we're kind of talking about gary vaynerchuk's philosophy of jab 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 right hook and that seems to be forgotten by a lot of people recently it seems to be more right hook than jab it, it does and you know it, it it's unfortunate too because i know a lot of these people and it's in just like 
it's weird, but you know, it is what it is. I guess they're, they'll eventually going to figure it out. I, I heard a really interesting talk by, um, Tucker Max. I don't know if you guys know who he is, but he wrote, um, do you guys, if you ever heard of Tucker Max? Yeah, no, I've heard of I haven't. <laughs> uh, all right. So he wrote this awesome, he wrote a couple books, but he wrote this really awesome book. Well, at least I thought it was awesome. I read it in college and it was like my like Bible at that point. But he was like, he's this crazy smart dude who went into these experiences, basically was like a, a weaponizer, slept with a lot of women, had these crazy experiences and he wrote it in a book. And he was like the first, um, self-published type of person to come out like 10 years ago and he killed it. I mean, like he built up the social media following, he, he published his own books and he just revolutionized the self-publishing industry. Uh, fast forward now, he's like married and has a kid. And so he's calmed down a little bit, but he's still like off the wall, um, and who he is and his book, uh, I hope they serve beer in hell. Phenomenal book. If anyone wants to read it, it's really entertaining, but, um, he had this talk here in Austin about how, um, the the informational product, the info product, is actually going to die soon. And and reason being is that people who people are creating services or software around that type of industry, and they're actually giving away that information for free. So um, what people are going to go is they're going to be able to get that stuff for free, which they can a lot of it already, just not always organized, but they'll be able to get courses and stuff like that for free. And then people have these services that they're going to offer. So it's really interesting um, where that's going. And so I, I don't know where I was going with that exactly. <laughs> well, I'll give you a question to spin off yeah. that then. Where do you think it's going? What do you think um, people who are perhaps starting out now in the kind of content marketing industry or people who are just up and running a little while and, and looking for a bit of direction, where do you think they should be focusing your efforts now? Um, I definitely do think they need to be focusing on creating products that are not informational products. Um, I see software as a big one coming up. I have some friends who have been creating software and they're just killing it because you create it. I mean, you have to maintain it and everything along those lines, but it's basically just creating a recurring revenue stream and it solves problems for people. So I see that as a, as a big one. Um, I don't think, honestly, I don't think the informational products are going to die anytime soon, but I can see how that will start becoming less and less a factor. The biggest thing too, is I also heard the status that like 98% of people who take online courses never finish them. And that's because people, you know, they get to a point when we're learning something, they get challenged. And then when they get challenged, they feel it's too difficult. And that's what learning is all about. So they just stop, you know, and, uh, oh, I know where I heard that. I heard that with Seth Godin talking with Gary Vanichuk on his uh, podcast, Ask Gary V show. And, um, it was really interesting when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's, um, that's going to really change that, that already changes. And I actually was I was doing research for resourceful and I was talking to a ton of people and somebody told me that they have been trying to run, start their own business and they haven't been able to do it. And they said that it's really themselves who stand in the way and they have even bought courses and how to do these things and everything from the big wigs out there. And she said she just couldn't get it up and running. And I, I asked her why. And she's like, just it's, it's, I'm, it's me. She's like, I can't finish this stuff. And so I started digging deeper into that situation. What I found is that actually if she said that if she had a deadline to it, even if it was like arbitrary, she had a deadline though associated with these different tasks and doing something, she would get it done. Just because in the back of her mind, she said, I need to get this done. I have this deadline. Of course, there's no real consequences except for me not finishing the course. 
but I'm still, for whatever reason, feel like I'm going to get it done. And she's done that in the past. So that was something that was really interesting. So I think the evolution of how people are going to learn um, the online products will have to evolve because if people aren't finishing courses 98% of the time, that's a huge problem. Yeah, well, they're not going to come back. Repeat business is going to be out the window there, isn't it? Exactly. So, um, I suppose, look, we are running tight for time, but um, I know beforehand you've mentioned resourceful. Do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about that and what went into the creation uh, of that? Yeah, so uh, resourceful is basically, it's just, it's the the resource of resources. What I've basically done is created a time machine um, in the sense that I give people back their time instead of, you know, what I found is that a big problem for entrepreneurs Uh, business owners, people that are typically running their own shop, maybe they have some virtual assistants, they don't have the time to go out there and research all this information that we're talking about. They don't have time to find people like Brian, Dean, and and, uh, Backlinko. They're not able to always stay up on top of what Gary Vanderchuk's talking about. And I know this from a fact because I do the same thing. I'm not always able to stay on top of this stuff. So what I've found is that, and, and the funny thing too is I was talking to a friend of mine she started throwing on all these names and courses and, and tools. And I was like, holy shit, where, like, I think I'm on top of it. But like, she started throwing us stuff I've never even heard about. I got overwhelmed. I was like, man. So um, what I decided to do is actually create a, a product that sends out, it's, it's basically right now just a digital public, uh, publication. It's a weekly newsletter that goes out weekly to people. And we take all these, we take resources from all over the internet, from all the best people, the experts, and we vet out these articles. And um, not just articles, but podcasts, videos, um, eBooks. And we, we, we go in, we research them, we we write up these little descriptions and we send it out to people so then they can actually say, all right, this is good for this type of person and this is what it's about. So then they can go ahead and without actually have to search, they can find all this information and they can go and research it. And And we do we do suggest that they go out there and read this stuff afterwards, although we provide a synopsis and kind of an overview of what it's about and give them the meat of it. It's really about to go into those ones that they, they really resonate, that they feel like can help them in that, that uh, situation and read into it. And so um, that alone be, will be able to allow people to take more action and be able to um, grow their business by by taking action on these different fields of like social media, content, SEO, um, anything that's possible, you know, A-B testing, uh, different tools that are out there because there's millions of tools, which one to use at certain times in their in their point of their uh, business and, and their path to, to growing. So um, and then on top of it, I have built a, so how we actually do that, we have college students that I'm training to do that. And, um, I'm teaching them about marketing at the same time, having them go out there and write these little like reviews, these book reviews. And that's when we send it out. So it's, it's kind of killing two birds of the same, uh, same, uh, with the same stone, if I could get that out. Um, but, uh, you know, it's helping entrepreneurs, but at the same time, it's molding the minds of these curious college students and showing them a little bit about business, but also giving them a crash course in real world marketing. So um, it's a subscription based company or a product and it's really, really inexpensive in the sense that it's only uh, $4 and 99 cents a month. Um, And the reason I did that was really to get people, I could give it away for free. I could charge more if I wanted to. um, But I felt like that number was one to provide a lot of value to people and two, 
it puts there's some skin in the game for them. You know, from a psychological standpoint, it's about taking action. If you put money in on, on every uh, every month basis, you're more likely to take action on something that you pay for versus if you buy or if you get it for free. You know, how many times do you download a, a free ebook and then just store it away in your file and never read it? So um, this is really about you know getting people, giving them value, but making sure that they can take action on this stuff. Yeah, it certainly is. And I love that uh, the kind of the skin in the game analogy. And it is so, so true. People, no matter how much value is in a product, people just don't seem to value free. No, they, they don't, man. Which is, is, is a sad, unfortunate state of affairs, but that's just the way it is. Um, and yeah, if you, you know, if you really want people to take action, you have to ask them to, to, uh, to dig, dig into the pockets, I suppose. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Listen, Brandon, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, and just before I let you go, you might just tell our audience where they can get a hold of you on social media just to reach out and say thank you very much for uh, sharing your expertise with us today. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that, guys. And so, first of all, it's been a pleasure and a blast talking to you guys. Hopefully, I can. I got my own podcast up, and um, I'd love to have you guys come on there and talk, see where you guys are, and, and bring some of your content knowledge to the game as well. That would be awesome. Absolutely. So, yeah, let's yeah. do it. All right. So I, my podcast is actually the Sell More Podcast. You can find me, though, at, uh, at BrandonLewin.com. You can just shoot me an email if you want to at Brandon at BrandonMLewin.com. You can also tweet me at BrandonLewin. You can find me on Instagram at BrandonMLewin. And Lewin is L-E-W-I-N. Um, and I'm also starting to Snapchat quite a bit, too. So that is uh, at BrandonMLewin as well. Excellent. We'll make sure to have links to those in the show notes, of course. But, uh, Brandon, for the moment, until we speak again, thank you very much. Thank you, fellas. You have a great day, and uh, thanks for having me on. I really had a lot of fun. Whew, I tell you, Paul, there's plenty in that one. Yeah, yeah, there is. You know, Notebook is full. Um, really, really great show, Brandon. I mean, he's a very entertaining guy. Yeah, um, I, I, more good, I had good fun t- just chatting to him. He knows the stuff, though, as well. It always helps. You know, that's, that's it. Like, uh, I have to say, I did like the the you know the I suppose I call it a strategy, but like his his methodology for completing blog posts, uh, right down from the keyword research and checking competition, um, and all the way like he goes all the way through and does things very very thoroughly, which I have to say is remarkably similar to our process here. So that was was interesting. Well, that's what I was saying, Jordan. I was delighted because, and this was one of the driving forces, I suppose, behind the Content Academy poll for me anyway, was that the way I do things when it comes to creating online content, you have your process. They're fairly similar in fairness. We've been working together that long, but I just was very curious to see, is there other people out there like me that are that compulsive about their process? And certainly Brandon has, or Brandon, should I say, has his down to a T and knows exactly what he's doing. Some great resources in there mentioned as well. We'll make sure to have all those in the show notes. Um, you know, like Buzz Sumo and, and, uh, a few other bits. God, I can't even remember them all at this point, but we'll make sure they're in there for people to get a look at if they want to improve their uh, their process and systems for creating content. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I did like the idea of the writing every day. Um, obviously, me and you were, were taking that challenge on together where we're doing, I'm writing on blogging and you're writing on social media. I'm going to be doing it every day for the month of April and putting our content out there. Um, but it just kind of goes to reinforce it that, you know, if you are running an online business, you need to find some time in the day where you can at least put half an hour to do it. Um, and he picks half four in the morning. So, yeah, fair play there. 
Yeah, well, in fairness, I don't. I think his uh, his newest arrival to the family doesn't give him much choice about the half four in the morning part. But uh, just because he's been forced to wake up at that time, he's certainly not wasting it either. He puts it to good use. Um, listen, there was loads in that we could speak all day about it, but uh, we'll wrap it up there. Don't forget, folks, if you want to stay up to date about exactly how myself and Paul are getting on with our thirty day blogging challenge. Uh, be sure to head over to content.academy and for all the show notes of course it is content.academy forward slash episode 19 for the show notes but until next time have a good one